You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to welcome you to the show on this wonderful spring day here in the northern hemisphere of the world. It's raining cats and dogs here, but we saw double rainbows this morning in Portland, Oregon. It was quite beautiful. So in honor of the great beauty and wonder and changeability of our lives, I'd like to call in the spirits to be with us here today. And so I call out to the ancestors. I call out to all of those people, those men and women throughout all of humanity, all the races, who lived well and died well and bring to us our legacy, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. Through the ancestral healing work that I do, I know that the lines are all mixed and mingled and woven together in one great family. And so I call out to our ancestors, to our legacy, to be with us here today and to bring to us the wisdom of those who have gone before us. We call out to these ancestors to come to us that we might do a better job in this day being the living, do a better job for those who are coming and do a better job helping those who are gone but have not yet left this realm. So we call out to these ancestors also who will help us in knowing how to do what we've come here to do, helping us to find that personal great mystery. What is my soul's purpose? We call out to those ancestors who can help us to answer that personal great mystery and to find the courage in our hearts to live that. And so we call out to all of those ancestors who found why they were here in their own lives and lived it to the best of their ability given the circumstances of their time. We call out to those ancestors who died well and cleared out of this place and are able to return to us now as profound and true helping spirits. So may these ancestors be with us here today may you gather around and hold us the living so that we are better able to do what we have come here to do and with the ancestors gathered round, and as we become more present in our own bodies let's extend down from our heart to our bellies through our legs and feet and into the earth and connect to that most profound ancestor the earth without whose presence none of us would be here ancestors or descendants or living so we call out to the earth And we give great gratitude to the earth for home, for place, for beauty, for belonging. We give thanks to the earth for all of the wonder and the diversity of the sparks of life that are manifest here on this planet. We reach down to the earth and draw that restorative energy up through our gratitude. And we ask to be reconnected, to be reunited and to find ourselves once again aware of our oneness with all things and through that connection may we come into right relationship with ourselves and right relationship with others may we come into right relationship with our environment and right relationship with the spirit world and so we ask the wisdom of the earth to help us with her great great store of knowledge the wisdom of how to be here in form in a good way for all living things and so we ask the earth to help us in this day and as we draw the energy of the earth up into our bodies from our bellies to our hearts and up into our minds we rise up with the energy of the earth like a great fountain of clear crystal restorative energy rising up through all the layers of the sky all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call that energy i ask you to call it down drawing in the profound and true energies from the sky realms we call in this energy of blessing we call in this energy of protection we call in the energy of generosity and devotion the energy of benevolence and the precision in how we approach each day we call out to this energy so that we might find in our lives the mentors that we need and the champions to help us in that moment we are sure that we are about to falter 
We call out to these energies and draw them down from the sky above through all the realms of the sky into our body, into our minds, into our hearts, into our bellies. And we allow these two great lovers, the energy of the earth and sky, to dance within us, to come into balance in their joy of being brought together in the body of a human. And we let these energies mix and merge and dance until they come to the exact perfect balance for us here today. And with that energy, we ignite and call out for the spirit of the heart. And we ask the spirit of the heart to open up into that great crucible, that fiery, fiery crucible of transformation that can call up the energies, the deep, deep wisdoms of our lower chakras, deep in our belly, that knowing of our own true purpose of why we are here. And we call that passion and desire up into the heart, even as we reach up into the mind for clarity and discipline and the imagination necessary to come to understand what do these passions mean? What am I being called to do in this life and how could I possibly possibly do it. We ask these energies to merge and mix and dance in our hearts so that what comes forward is a third energy, our knowing of why we are here. And may we reach deep into our hearts to find the courage to live that knowing in some way in every day. So with energy of the heart present, the earth and the sky holding us and the ancestors gathered round, I give thanks for this day. May what needs to be said be said here today, what needs to be heard be heard, and may we do this in a way that is good for all living things. I want to thank Astrid and Cassandra and Aaron and Tibor and Sarah and all of those who have donated financially to the show this week. I want to thank you all for helping me with the bills. It takes a certain amount of cash to keep this show available to anyone who can access it for free. And this is... Bells and whistles, drum roll, everyone. The 101st show at Co-Creator Network. And I'd like to thank Co-Creator Network for giving us a true home for the show. A place that I could feel good about offering this show in a way that is in alignment with my own personal beliefs and principles. So in our 101st show here today, I have great gratitude for all of you that have given us a reason to be here for 101 weeks. Actually, it's been more than 101 weeks because we've got a year and a little bit um, with a different producer. So what that also means that there are um, well over, there's actually 160 something hours of free information at the whyshamanismnow.com website for you to access to help to guide you, hopefully, in your own life. And so I give gratitude to all of you that have made the show alive and real and happening for this for almost four years. And thanks to those of you that have donated to help me make that happen. And for those of you that are new to the show, you can go to the show website at whyshamanismnow.com. You have access to all the shows from the very beginning in January of 2009 at that site. Um, And you also can click on the support button and donate any amount of money in any currency, large or small. And all of it is um, greatly appreciated and goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you are uncomfortable paying via the internet, um, please just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a physical mailing address. So thank you everyone for making it happen together. So, oh, I forgot, we're live. You're welcome to call in or email in. Um, So you can call in at 512-772-1938 or... You are welcome to um, email me again at christina at lastmasscenter.org or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site for those of you that don't want to call because you're living in some wonderful and exotic far off place and you'd prefer to Skype. So it's up to you how you'd like to connect with the show today. And thank you all for listening whenever it is that you decide to listen. So the topic of today is what is a power animal? What are they and why do they help us and um, related questions. And so I want to give thanks to Indrik and his questions that inspired today's show. So what are power animals? Well, power animals are a subset of the group of of energies that we call helping spirits because from our perspective, they are not in form, thus spirits, and helpful. (laughs) Sorry. Um, So helping spirits um, are the way that we generally today, at least in English, refer to those energies that shamanic people and shamans work with. Now, the thing about helping spirits is that everybody has them. 
Every single person on the earth has helping spirits. Some are working with them intentionally. Some are working with them and don't know it. Some have been disconnected from their helping spirits and are not working with them, but their helping spirits are still trying to get back to them. And some are in profound, uh, poor relationship with their helping spirits. Bless their hearts. But what's important to understand, um, as people who, no matter how you personally were raised, you are steeped in cultures that are steeped in religions that have been around for a really long time and have strongly biased our perception of what is going on in the invisible world. But from a shamanic perspective, things are exceedingly simple. Anything that is, is alive. And bless all those exquisite scientists who are now proven that for us. So we don't have to continue to have this argument between science and spirituality because it's just a silly argument. So anything that is, is alive from a shamanic perspective. Now granted, the life of a rock is different than the life of a human, which is different than the life of a caterpillar slash butterfly. Nonetheless, from a shamanic perspective, they are all alive. And since they are all alive, they can all actually be helping spirits. Now, that doesn't mean that the cedar tree outside of my house in and of itself is necessarily a helping spirit. But the spirit of that, I don't know what the technical term is, genus. Anyway, the spirit of cedar tree as an expression of life on the planet can come to us as a helping spirit. Now, it's also true that that cedar tree, the spirit of that individual cedar tree might actually want to work with us as a helping spirit as well. Um, And that's one of the things to distinguish when you're working with helping spirits. Is this an individual spirit that is connected here to the land? Or is it just the general spirit of that expression of life on the planet? Not that that really matters in the beginning, because in the beginning, what's good is just to connect with your helping spirits. So, what are helping spirits and why do they come and help us? So, this is our topic today. And to go into this and answer this question more deeply than I've already answered, because I've talked about this in many other shows, and I've given you the standard answer that you would get as you begin to enter into shamanism Or begin simply to enter into shamanic journeying because you want the skill. You're not necessarily sold on the whole shamanic um, kettle of fish, but you'd like to journey so that you can work more closely with your helping spirits, which is a perfectly legitimate thing to do. And for those of you that listen, you all together now, and a requirement for being a spiritual (laughs) grown-up. that we must have some dependable discipline by which we communicate with spirit or energies larger than ourselves if we are going to call ourselves spiritually mature. It's, it is necessary for human beings on this planet. And this is what um, generations and generations and generations of humans have shown us, both in the kind of lives people live when they do have a working relationship with spirit, contrasted with the kinds of lives people live when they don't. And so we can see what works and what doesn't work. So, helping spirits. So now to talk about this more deeply and actually answer some of Endrick's questions, because Endrick as a practitioner himself has some experience journeying, has uh, experience in a spiritual life as well as with helping spirits. And so his questions are not coming from that simple brush through of just the first... um, the first date with your helping spirits, but actually working with them for a while and beginning to get into that place where we step out of the shamanic playpen and get into some of the trials and tribulations of working with spirit. I think there might even be another show called that, the trials and tribulations of working with spirit. But anyway, today we're talking about helping spirits specifically. So I need to explain a couple terms that I use all the time. Uh, before I can actually go back into talking about helping spirits. So I use the phrase, the term, the source, often. Um, m- mainly because I consider it um, descriptive in what the energy actually is, the source of all life, um, but also 
it is uh, religion and culture neutral to the best of my knowledge. And so I use this term to speak about the source of all things, the source of life, the, the energy from which all things came. Now, for some people, I know it would be much simpler if I just said God. It would make them much happier. However, if I did that, that wouldn't really be what I mean shamanically. Or if I did that, uh, if I am to say God, then I need to be inclusive and I must use all of the other words any other peoples have created to mean the same thing uh, so as to not bias the conversation. And I don't have time to do that, and I'm not a scholar of religion, and I don't know all those names. If someone would like to email them to me, I'd be happy to try. But my point is, God isn't a universal term. So then the other reason I don't use that word is because the Tao that we can name isn't the Tao. And today, people who have a name for God are way too sure they know what that means. And that it's entirely divine, defined in that word, and that they're the ones who have it defined correctly. So consequently, the word's got a ton of baggage. And I frankly, from my work with spirit, really do see how I don't know anything. After all these years, I still hardly know anything. And that the Tao that I could name would not be the Tao. That I truly understand from my experience in shamanism so far. So the source of all things is actually the thing that created God from a shamanic perspective. And that's the thing that people don't quite get about shamanism is that the stories of shamanic people, because of their ability to journey, begin before the beginning. So I'm not trying to be problematic and I'm certainly not trying to be disrespectful to anyone and their religious faith. But shamanism doesn't really just dovetail nicely into any old religion. It doesn't compete with religions. It doesn't make you choose one or the other. You can have both. However, they are fundamentally different. And if we can't understand that, they're fundamentally different, it's hard to understand helping spirits. So religion says that you must realign yourself or reconnect yourself with the source. Shamanism says that you are one with the source, and that's a pretty big fundamental distinction. So for me, what matters is what I experience in the work. That for my taste... And having gone to higher education, I certainly can be part of this group. But for my taste, we Americans and we in the Western world spend far too much time in our heads, thinking that we know things because we understand it intellectually and even understand it in our heads, sort of spiritually, conceptually. But for me, what has come to matter through shamanism is what I experience in the work. And um, as I work with spirit over time, and I work with spirit over time with many different people, I start to see patterns emerging. So this isn't just my personal opinion, because frankly, my personal opinion about a lot of things has been changed by doing shamanic work and seeing what's actually true over time for many different people and start realizing or trying to grasp a more universal perspective, not just a particular Christina perspective. So in working with this, uh, so what I see from the work is that the source is present for everyone, everyone equally, that everyone has a part of him or herself that remains connected to the source, that is one with the source, no matter what. We can lose our relationship with that part of ourself, but that part of ourself never loses the relationship with the source. In other words, there can be soul loss that we disconnects us from that part of ourselves. But that part of ourself is always one with the source. And frankly, everything all the time is one with the source. But human beings have this unique experience that we'll talk about a little bit later that makes that matter, the fact that we experience the loss. And so true helping spirits 
no matter what form they show up in, true helping spirits are an expression of the source, as are we. So, this is a little sidebar. So, if you are receiving a helping spirit, it is A, because you need help, and B, because there are powers you possess that you are not fully owning and using in your life. So, every helping spirit that comes to us reflects back to us ourself when it reflects back to us that which we are not owning and so the 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 oneness that comes to us through our helping spirits the messages the wisdom the guidance the healing power all of that is a reflection of ourselves that we are not yet owning it's not to say that the helping spirit is a construct of ourselves it's to say that the helping spirits that come to us come because they reflect what we don't own better than some other helping spirit. But it is all about us stepping into the fullness of who we are and our power and doing, truly doing what we have come to do in this life in the fullest, most open-hearted way. So, humans, so this is the other thing about helping spirits. Humans, in general, have never dealt well with direct communication with the source. We tend to think that a visit from God will solve everything. And then when that visit visit comes, we are completely overwhelmed in such a way that the message is lost and we often end up committed for a few years. We don't deal well with that direct connection with the source without some sort of interface. Human beings prefer mediation. Burning bushes, angels, we like things that have faces. So today... With this whole issue around helping spirits and our need, if we're going to communicate, well, A, our need to communicate with the source. B, our need to communicate with the source in a way that doesn't freak us out. And so we prefer something familiar that has a face versus something that is manifest in a form of energy, for lack of a better word, that we can't even conceive of because it has absolutely nothing to do with the physical world that we're experiencing. So we prefer a face that is familiar, like a bear or a butterfly or Mount Hood. We prefer something familiar. It makes us not freak out. And we freak out really easily. Okay. Now, the other piece that we need to understand about helping spirits, not only are they an expression from the source, not only are they trying to teach us about our power, but they're trying to teach us about this particular aspect of a human's power, which I always refer to as free will. Now, in researching this show, I realized there's a whole bunch of baggage around free will I never even knew existed because, of course, once again, didn't go to church. So when I speak of free will... I do not consider that at all to be an issue that has anything to do with anybody's religion and any stories about who God did or didn't grant free will to. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about free will. I'm talking about something much more obvious. So I don't feel an issue that has anything to do with whether or not the source did or didn't give it to me. And I don't see free will in a religious context because of what I know about working with messages from spirit. And here's the tricky bit, okay? Religion doesn't describe reality. It describes an interpreted reality. Because even the world's great religions are messages given from spirit to humans, which humans then interpreted. So it's an interpreted reality, just like a shamanic journey is an interpreted reality. So we humans are always in a position of interpreting our messages from spirit. Even these grand historical figures who received the revelation that have become the texts of humanity's current organized religions, they're still interpreted messages. And we are always limited in our capacity to interpret by what we can conceive of. We are human. Those who receive the revelations are also human. And we get from the spirit world, 
all of these beings that come to us, an expression of the source, we get the message that is as close to the truth as we can handle. If we raise ourselves up in maturity and in consciousness and in enlightenment, we can handle a truer version of the message. And so if you believe humanity is evolving, then all of those messages received oh so long ago that became the foundation of the world religions were only as conscious as people could be at that time. And so if we've theoretically evolved since then, then we've evolved beyond a lot of those messages. And that we're ready to receive, frankly, answers to the same questions at a higher level of consciousness or truth or something closer to what's really true. So consequently, well, that's anyway why I don't get into the whole details of all of these world religions is because they're simply messages from spirit that came to humanity at a particular time. And they may or may not be the highest truth we can conceive of today. So at the same time, I don't really feel that free will is a philosophical issue either. I mean, I love the crisp clarity of logic in philosophy. Double Capricorn, love it, right? Love it. It's all going to get organized into little boxes. Makes me so happy. But what I understand is that I can only love that to a point. Because there's a point at which logical arguments depart completely from anything that has anything to do with reality. Because as humans, the logic of the mind doesn't explain our entire existence. Because we are human. And we are always in that possible potential of expanding beyond where we are in the moment. So the accurate interpretation of our existence must be shaped by the logic of the mind and the logic of the heart and the logic of the body and the logic of spirit all at the same time. And anything short of that limps in practicality. Anything short of that limps as we try to use it here in the world. So practically speaking, speaking, what I see in working over many years with many people is that the particular free will of a living human matters profoundly. And this is in part what we are here to come to understand. So when I speak of free will, I'm not just talking about the simplistic ability to choose free from constraints. I'm talking about the fact that our consciousness and our unconsciousness chooses constantly. And those choices are shaping the manifestation of reality all the time. We are part of the dreamers who are dreaming reality into existence. For me, this is where free will hooks in. This is what I mean by free will, is the fact that our choices, conscious and unconscious, shape the manifest physical reality. So we are always manifesting something, and it's not always what we thought we chose. That's part of free will. Okay, so given all of that, let's move on to the topic of today. So in the email, the question that I was asked is, what are power animals? And so what do power animals have to do with this energy of the source that I'm talking about and free will that I'm talking about? Well, the simple answer is this. Most human beings left to their own devices, having been given free will at birth, will make an enormous mess out of themselves and their lives before they figure out how to use their free will. Therefore, we are offered help from the moment we are born. The source comes to us through our helping spirits to help us understand how to work this thing we've been given, this profoundly 
powerful thing we've been given called free will. How do we move our power in the world in a way that is good for all living things, including ourselves? That is a profoundly challenging question every day of our lives. And the, and the source, knowing that, sends the helping spirits to us in forms we can relate to so that we can receive guidance and help and inspiration to be able to be these beings that have this profound power that we can't even figure out how to use until we gain some conscious awareness. So this is the dynamic really of helping spirits is that they are here to help us regardless of politics, regardless of race, regardless of education, regardless of religion. They are still present to help us. How we see them conceptually, how, how we conceptualize them, how we choose to see them has everything to do with our race and our education and our religion and all of that stuff. They don't care. The source doesn't care. The source doesn't have a form anyway. None of, they don't care how you see them as long as you see them in a way that allows you to begin to work with them so that you can start to rein in your unconscious choices and start to participate in the dreaming of life. It's the great dream, the great experiment, this dream of life. And we're really powerful parts of that dreaming mechanism. And yet we are going off willy-nilly in every which way because we don't get it. And the helping spirits are here to help us to get it. So that's the nutshell of helping spirits. So in the email that I received, um, the listener asked, you know, are they energetic constructs that help us to live in harmony with the universe? Well, it's not really a bad definition. In fact, it could have been something that I said somewhere along the way in a show. I don't, I don't actually remember, but not bad. Um, I often refer to them in when I teach journeying and we talk about helping spirits that they're consistent energy patterns. Well, that's not very sexy. And it's really hard to say over and over again all day while you're teaching. Um, but it's important to, to recognize that the helping spirits, from a shamanic perspective, the helping spirits are outside of us. They're not just something, something we make up in our head. That they are outside of us, coming to us from the source towards us in our experience of being an individual. Now, if I were expanded out in the great oneness, experiencing myself as part of the oneness, none of my helping spirits would be separate than me because I'm not separate from anything at that point. But I don't know about you. I don't live in that place every day. When I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to fit in these long-distance healing sessions with the radio show and the fact that my website is still selling Viagra and who's going to cook dinner and, oh, crap, it's my turn and now I've got to go to the grocery store, I'm not in the oneness, right? So the helping spirits then would come in at that time and help me, perhaps, I, perhaps, should I ask them, it would help me understand what are my priorities, where should I focus, understand the timing, understand how to approach that um, kerfluffle I've created in my day, right? So this is the helping spirits. They come and they help us to figure out how to be fully human, to connect back to the last show we did with Steve Bear. They're here to help us understand how to be deeply and ecstatically fully human. So back to the question about energy constructs. Before we go any further, let's remember we are energy constructs, right? We are highly stable energy patterns in an energy world. In other words, you wake up each morning being basically yourself. So that's a stable energy pattern. But the deeper reality of our physical existence is there is no physical reality here, right? This is our experience. I'm not exactly sure how we experience this, but the truth of the matter is it's all energy. You are all energy. Your helping spirits are all energy. There's something about your energy that also makes you manifest in the physical world, whatever that really means. And there's something about your helping spirits energy 
that makes them not manifest in the physical world. But what's more important to understand is you who perceive of yourself as being physically manifest, but are actually just energy. Also have an entire emotional life, which you may or may not be participating in, an entire mental, psychological, archetypal head life, and an entire spiritual life. These three aspects of what makes you more than just a bag of meat are invisible. And yet they are part of you as a manifest being in physical reality. So these lines that we draw between the physical world and the invisible world are shaky and pathetically fear-based at best. So, so let's avoid the whole, are they real or not, part of the show. Are you real or not? All that matters is that you're here having this experience. Are we real or not? I don't know. We're just energy. But this is our experience. And we're here with this incredible, powerful thing as part of our experience called free will, which is manifesting stuff all over the place most of it's not what we expect to be manifesting and it's contributing to the greater problems in our culture and the helping spirits are here to help you with that who cares if they're real or not at least they're here 24 hours a day seven days a week and they want to help you why are you arguing that's basically my perspective about helping spirits they're coming to help you need help i need help Why would we debate with them whether they're real? They're helping. (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. So helping spirits are stable energy patterns. They are ones that do not physically manifest in their interactions with us. But they exist, if you will, in the physical, in the invisible world. And the invisible world is the world that's filled with God, it's filled with angels, it's filled with imaginary friends when you were a kid, as well as ghosts and succubi and incubi and a whole bunch of things you wish weren't there, right? So helping spirits are stable energy patterns that take a meaningful form out of what already exists in our heads. Back to what I said earlier, our helping spirits take a form that is familiar to us. Now, the problem with that is sometimes it's still a form that scares us. But usually the reason that it scares us is because it is symbolic of our power and we are afraid of our own power. It's a given. It's pretty much a given that contemporary people are afraid of their power. Most people compensate from that by being fearful and small. Some compensate for that by becoming grandiose and annoying. But the bottom line is we are largely afraid of our true power because it's mediated in the heart and we're afraid of feeling anything. So our helping spirits are here taking a form that generally speaking should be familiar to us and sometimes it's fearful to us like a snake or um, a spider, typical scary helping spirits. But it doesn't have to be scary. So in other words, they dress up up in our symbolic language so that we so that they feel familiar to us so that we are more likely to accept the invitation to communicate so no matter how we want to talk about working with the forces of the invisible world the bottom line is as humans we prefer things that we are communicating with to have faces we anthropomorphize everything it just makes it easier on us so Given the symbolic language of humanity, helping spirits then can take many forms. Anything that is, is alive, and it can be a helping spirit. So helping spirits are often animals. Thus, the phrase we use, or the term we use, power animals. Power animals are helping spirits. Helping spirits are power animals. There's no difference. There's no distinction. It's just identifying a group of helping spirits that show up as animals. Helping spirits also show up as plants. They show up as crystals. They show up as fungi. They show up as some insects. Insects are a little tricky because um, disease or illness in the human body often presents as insects in um, journeys. Um, But there's lots of insects. 
insects that are considered um, helping spirits in different cultures. And then there's arachnids, which I think don't consider themselves insects, right? They're special. So there's the spiders. Um, Some fish, again, some illness or disease can show up as a weird-looking fish, usually with nasty teeth that are trying to bite you um, if they're an illness. But there's fish. that work with fish as helping spirits, especially people that spend a lot of time around the water, in the water, right? There's some cool fish, great helping spirits. Uh, Helping spirits can present as mythical beasts or mythical beings. So anything out of the stories of humanity, right? Helping spirits can also be ancestral helping spirits to distinguish those from ghosts, but nonetheless, ancestors, they can be, helping spirits can be deities, Helping spirits can be angels. Any of those um, beings described in any of the world's great religions, if the deities can come, so can everybody else. Right? Helping spirits can be elementals. And helping spirits can also be features of uh, geography, either from your home, if you're no longer living in the land of your birth, or spirits of the geography of where you are currently living. So like mountains or lakes or some rocks, whatever is prominent in your area. So no matter the form that they take, true helping spirits are an extension of the source coming to us. And that they help us, they can help us to live in harmony with the universe. So Endrick's definition isn't bad. Um, However, sometimes they don't help us work in harmony with the universe because we don't know how to work with them. So (laughs) it's not always a given, but they would... And it's not so much about harmony with the universe as it is about participating in the dream of life and the expression of life of, and of life dreaming of life. And so there is a certain flow in that dream. So there's also a certain flow in the movement in the universe, although I'm not sure whether there's one universe or multiverses or what, so I get a little confused there. But the overall point is... There is a pulse, a movement, a direction of life as we understand it, be it planetary life in the cosmos, human life here on earth, uh, microbial life, whatever it is, there's a flow. And our helping spirits help us understand how we get in that current. They also can help us to understand what is the uniqueness we bring to that great dream. So this is what our helping spirits are here to help us do. And a simple way to say that would be to live in harmony with the universe. So in general, helping spirits are protective and a healing presence. Okay. They are also happy to teach and to guide, should we ask them questions. Um, They can also respond to our intentions. So not just questions, but we can go to our helping spirits with an intention. For example, to experience the energy of our soul's purpose or to experience healing or to experience restoration or rejuvenation that we can go just with the intention of something and allow, and just ask our helping spirits for that and allow that to happen. So, I was Googling around to try to um, get ready, getting ready for the show, and um, I found a website of a shamanic practitioner, Jerry Starnes, and he suggests that helping spirits fall loosely into four categories relative to their purpose in interacting with us. And I didn't feel like his definitions were necessarily bad at all. They seemed perfectly legitimate. Um, the issue for you in reading something like that on the internet is to rec- is to really listen to, not listen to, but really pay attention to what he's writing, where he's basically saying these four categories can help you understand what helping spirits can do as long as you don't lock them into your categories. Now, I personally just say all helping spirits can do anything if they want to, but that's just me. <laughs> so anyway, Jerry defines these four categories as messengers journey animals, totem animals, and shadow animals. And these aren't a bad descriptions. And and if you want to explore that, you can find them at Jerry Starnes, G-E-R-R-Y-S-T-A-R-N-E-S.com in his article section on his website. So it's, it's a lovely article. The issue that I find with people 
is that they read this and then they're journeying along just fine. And then all of a sudden a a helping spirit that tends to be a messenger starts working in their journeys. And then they freak out because aren't you supposed to be a messenger? (laughs) And the point is, people, helping spirits shape shift and move around all the time. And largely their change and their transformation has to do with us growing up and us getting it, us, our ability to go with the flow of things and trust the energy of the helping spirit and not need to put everybody in boxes. So with that said, go read Jerry's site. He's got great, great articles about helping spirits. So the other thing about helping spirits is the big question is why in the world do they bother with us? Right? You know, from a shamanic perspective, we are not the top of the food chain. We are not the top of the consciousness ladder. We are not the top of anything. We are the children, right? From a shamanic perspective, the wise ones here are the plants. And then maybe the birds. And then we move down through the animals. And the very, very bottom rung of consciousness are the humans. And the helping spirits come to help us because they take pity on us. Though it's important that we don't act pitiful. Because pitiful people are boring. Um, they take pity on us because our free will makes us powerful manifestation machines. But we rarely know how to work the machine. Most people have practically destroyed their life or their body before they even have an impulse to simply wake up and understand. So they take pity on us. Again, as I said earlier in the show, because we've been given this power of free will, we have no idea how to use it, and most of us will make a complete mess of our life before we figure it out, at least today in the contemporary world. And so they come to help us. Now, I personally also choose to believe that they come to help us not just because we need help, but I think they come to help us because we're fun. We're funny. You know, why do dolphins bother with us? Well, because we make up games with them. You know, human beings, in because of this kind of free will that they have, innovate. They create. Now, an enormous amount of what we create is a mess. But it's still creative, or it can be creative. And so I think they also come to us because we're funny and because we're fun. And because we have this potential to innovate with our creativity and our free will, and that we have the potential for greatness and for living a life that will be a legend. And the only way we will do that is in concert with our helping spirits. And that is a great ride. I mean, who wouldn't want to get on board for that? So our helping spirits come because they take pity on us because being a human is really challenging. But I also believe that they come, well, I know that in my own life, they are more robustly with me and they work more easily with me and it's easier to get what's going on with them if I'm not having a pity party. That it's easier to work with them when I kind of, you know, ready to go for it and I'm having fun and happy to be alive and feel gratitude and feel blessed and wonder what's next and let's go have an adventure then I find that it's easiest for me to get what the helping spirits are trying to communicate to me. But they also come in the hardest times and the darkest times. And one way or another, they are trying to get through. So from a shamanic perspective, the important thing to understand is that we all have this help. And the fact that we have lived into adulthood is proof of their assistance. So what shamanic skills then give us is the ability to engage with this help intentionally and to develop a direct working relationship with our helping spirits so we can do what we came here to do and have some help doing it and try to not make the same messes over and over and over again. Learn from those mistakes. Do it differently. This is why our helping spirits join us, that and the fact that we're funny. You know, I mean, you got to get used to the fact you are the butt of every joke. But once you can develop that ability to laugh at yourself, it gets a whole lot easier. It's like back to the uh, four agreements. Do not take everything personally. 
Now, helping spirits do act of their own volition. But because they are not manifest physically in the world, they do not have the kind of free will I'm talking about that humans have in the sense that they do not manifest things. Our helping spirits do not manifest things in the physical world without our participation. So it's our free will that they are using to make things happen in our lives. So in other words, they can help to organize the coincidences in a day that could set your dreams in motion. But you still have to make the choices. You still have to step in to that void. You still have to step over that threshold. You still have to grasp those choices and make them to make them manifest. Otherwise, they're just potential. And I believe our helping spirits are creating the full 100% potential for us to know our soul's purpose and live it in every single day. But we don't go there. I mean, they must be exhausted. I mean, if they, if, if they weren't spirits, they would be, right? Because we don't participate. And so things become manifest through our participation with our helping spirits. They don't make things happen. We do by working with them. So keep in mind that from a shamanic creation perspective, Everything that is born of the great dream is a dreamer. And what that means is that everything that we perceive to manifest in form is a dreamer who participates in dreaming, the dream that is manifesting reality. But the critical thing here is that it's the things that are dreamt into this experience we're having of physical manifestation. So all of our helping spirits then are not in physical manifestation and so they're not they don't have the same free will that we have. However, they're not bound by us, right? They, they have volition. They, they do whatever they dang well please, frankly. So uh, while other things in form are part of the dreaming of reality, they do not necessarily participate with human free will. They might have their own free will, for all I know. Like there might be rock free will and tree free will. I don't know. But they are participating in the dreaming because they have physical form. So the, but what's different about rocks and trees, for example, is they cannot choose to deny their true nature. They cannot choose to deny their destiny. Humans can. And this is what I'm trying to say about the nature of human free will is that it is organized in such a way that we can be contrary to life. We could be contrary to our destiny and that this, this uh, power is um, a really foolish thing to give to people that aren't conscious. <laughs> so, <laughs> so consequently, the helping spirits come to help us with that. So the world that is not yet in form has no ability to manifest without our participation. So in other words, your soul's purpose is an expression of the source wanting to know itself through that unique life experience. You know, so even the source doesn't happen but through those things manifest in physical form, it happens through us. The source happens through the manifestation of the trees and the rocks. And we humans are unique manifestation of the source. That's this whole free will piece. So it can be said that helping spirits also appear to have personalities. And I, and I agree that part of learning to work with your helping spirits is learning to work with their personality. And I also say that people get the helping spirits they deserve. And so in many ways, again, your personality and your character or lack of character calls in the helping spirits that you need to respond to your personality and your character. So learning to work with their personality is also a teaching then that will matter profoundly in your life. Their personalities aren't random. Their personalities are there for you to learn from and to learn to deal with. So what we can't say is that bear spirit always has the same personality as it presents person to person. In other words, bear spirit might come to me and I might know bear spirit to have a certain personality, 
and then bear spirit can come to somebody else and have an entirely different personality. And those two things are completely correct because the personality has more to do with the person bear spirit's coming to than it has to do with bear spirit. Now, it's important, though, in that to watch for being babied or coddled by your helping spirits because there is always that shamanic playpen to wonder about. So, for example, I work with helping spirits that are part of my cosmology. And so everyone who works with me also comes to work with those helping spirits. And um, a couple of those helping spirits are um, big warrior energies. And they're very um, take-no-prisoners, balls-against-the-walls, let's-go-for-it. Um, they're really fierce, fiercely loving. Um, and whenever I hear someone saying, well, I don't really understand why you say that about crazy woman. She's always so kind to me. She's, and I'm thinking, oh, that's always bad news because it means that that person is being babied by that helping spirit because they're not yet ready to step into the warriorship that would bring out the true personality, if you will, in that helping spirit. Spirit, the true teachings really in that helping spirit and so you have to be careful with this whole personality thing but also don't presume that just because bear spirit shows up to you with a particular personality means someone else who works with bear spirit experiences the same thing so when journeying it's best to trust the helping spirit and to work with them allowing them to present in the journey um, in a way that is a response to your question or your intention and let them be who they are and do what they do and learn from it. Nothing is an accident or incidental with a helping spirit. There's another aspect of the question that I got asked, which was um, uh, that my helping spirits seem to do what I tell them to do. And I found that curious because I don't ever tell my helping spirits to do anything. Um, that I ask them, I mean, I ask them for an awful lot of help and I ask them particularly for help in healing sessions, but I don't tell them to do anything. Um, mostly I do what they tell me. And so I thought that was an interesting question. Your helping spirits will potentially do what you tell them, but that might be misguided. And so I think, uh, it's, uh, more effective to work with helping spirits through your questions and through asking for help and asking for understanding. And now I have run out our hour here and not gotten on to the big, big question here, which is why do helping spirits help sorcerers and up to no goods? And the thing that we need to understand, and this is where religion has really messed us up relative to helping spirits, is that the source is equally available to all who are manifest here in form. The sorcerer and the shaman, the up to no good and the up to good. Right, that everyone is here um, on some path, some unique path to manifest their destiny or not and to learn from that experience. And the source is present for all of that. And the power is available to all of us in all of that. And helping spirits are neither moral nor are they immoral, nor are they judging your morality or your immorality. Right, That they... They will help everyone equally, no matter the quality of your choices. In other words, if you want to learn something the hardest way possible through immorality, making evil choices, and just basically making a mess of things, they'll help you do that. And you'll pay in the end for whatever that life costs. We all pay in the end for what our life costs, which is why it's best to live a life that has credit in the bank, right? So, so the helping spirits will help us. They're not judgmental. There's, there's no morality here. This whole idea that the spirit world is somehow holding us in judgment is really a profound misunderstanding of our relationship with spirit. They are an expression of power, and power cuts both ways. The issue is how do we choose with our free will to use that power? And that's up to us. And, helping, and so this idea that the helping spirits won't help sorcerers is bullshit. Sorcerers are powerful and they work with helping spirits and they're not bad spirits. It's all about us and our choices and what it costs in the end when our life is reviewed by ourselves. And as we finally see the full ramifications of the life that we've lived and how it affected everyone and we feel the pain that that caused or the joy that that brought, we, we understand everything finally and we know it all. And we account then for our own life. And we do our best to reconcile then the choices that we've made. May that time in your life be easy. 
because you have worked well with your helping spirits. So I want to thank you all for listening here today. I thank the helping spirits for coming to us, whether we know to call on them or not. I thank the ancestors who've gathered around us here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.